Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Well, here we are. Once again, we are at your service. I'm Johnny Rabbit, and you're listening to KMOX AM 1120. And we're going somewhere very special. That if, I mean, this is the place that's special, not just to me or a few people. It's special to everybody. But it well should be. It's well-deserved. I'm talking about Forest Park. And I'm not going to talk about Forest Park, but we're going to have Leslie Hoffarth. Yes. Is that correct? Okay. And then we're going to have uh, John O'Gorman here as well. Now, Leslie, your title Director. Wait, hold on. What's <laughs> now we're going to get it. We couldn't hear it. There's, try one more time. President and... I'm president and executive director. And what about our friend here, John O'Gorman? You are... Uh, yeah, I'm the senior vice president of development and community initiatives. What does that mean, community initiatives? I like the sound of that. Yeah. So good, I, that is I, a good title. I, thank you very much. Um, uh, besides working with our fundraising team, I also do our commun- uh, communications and marketing and work with um, our community engagement throughout the community as well as our volunteer and visitor services. Great. And raising money is a big thing. Raising money is a big thing. So this, you had a big deal this, this week on Channel 4. That's right. Uh, that's an annual um, effort uh, that we've had that uh, really helps our year-end fundraising. It's uh, something that uh, is sponsored by the Enterprise Holdings Foundation and really encourages um, people, especially new folks that have never supported us before, to think about becoming a member of Forest Park Forever. Now, what does it take to be a member, and what what are the benefits? Obviously, the benefits are supporting Forest Park, but what yeah. does it take to be a member? Yeah, I think that's our number one benefit is to have a, a beautiful, well-maintained park. Um, it, what it takes is uh, uh, the, the, our memberships start at $60 a year. Um, that money goes to really do everything that we do, um, help to plant flowers, help to uh, prune trees, uh, clear the snow, um, really make the park just such a s- special place. Now you say we. Who is we? Uh, well, it's Forest Park Forever. But what Maybe, about the city? And <laughs> we, we have a wonderful partnership with the city, too. Well, who clears the snow? Leslie, who's, uh, that, you're not doing it yourself, I'm sure, I hope. We're doing it together, so we do different things. The city, so first of all, Forest Park Forever, we're a nonprofit mm-hmm. conservancy. We work in partnership with the city of St. Louis, and the Parks Department does things like um, the big 
tractor mowing, um, cleaning restrooms, emptying the trash cans, and plowing snow on the streets in the park. And then Forest Park Forever has this fun little broom that we put on the front of one of our little utility vehicles, mm-hmm. our gators, and then we clear the paths in the park. So we each have a different role. Well, that's good. It's a co- cooperative effort. There's so much there. Let's, but let's go back. Everybody knows about the park. Everybody sees it. Um, sometimes they don't see it, though. They just go by and think, well, yeah, there it is. It's nice. But you got to go in and take a look. But what, how does it let's go back to the history, if you will, Leslie, of the, the park itself? Sure. So uh, the park was founded way long ago, 1876, and it was actually several miles outside of the city limits at the time. And it was advertised as this place to come and get out of the smog of the city. If you think about the late 1800s, it was coal burning. It was very dirty. So coming to the park was a a prescription for health, a a way to breathe in the the fresh air. It was very pastoral. It was mainly prairies and forests. Actually, the majority of the park was forest at the time. So um, the 1904 World's Fair and the 1904 Olympics were held in Forest Park, parts of the Olympics were in Forest Park. Um, 20s and 30s, Dwight Davis, that the Davis Cup is named after, was the parks commissioner and brought active recreation to the park. So tennis and golf started showing up in this idea of don't just stroll through the park, but get active. Um, After that, decades of decline just really saw the park crumbling. Forest Park Forever was founded in uh, 1986, And we were just a group of people sitting around the kitchen table that had great memories of the park, hated that it was falling apart, and said, let's do something about it. So from those scrappy grassroots days, decades later, we have uh, become moved from a fundraising friends group to a robust conservancy that both raises money and works side by side with the city parks department to take care of the park today and make sure that we're planning for the long haul. So generations from now, it's still in great shape. Well, how many trees are in Forest Park? I guess you do have a survey of trees. We do. Uh, We have about 47,000 trees in Forest Park. Um, About two thirds of them are in our forested areas and the other third are just in, in the beautiful places sure. that you might stroll around the park. Where are the forested areas, and do they have a name? Yes, the two biggest forested areas, Kennedy Forest, that's in the southwest corner of the park over by the zoo and the art museum, and then Successional Forest is right in the middle of the park. So Kennedy Forest is um, the only old-growth forest that's left in Forest Park. Much of the park, unfortunately, was clear-cut for that fabulous 1904 World's Fair that we all like to talk about so much. And are there anything, well, what's left from from the fair? Yeah, there are two structures left in the from from the fair that are left in the park. Any idea what they are? John, do John, you know? Do oh, you I, know, know? <laughs> I know what they are. He knows. Uh, yeah, so the art museum mm-hmm. was built as the Palace of Fine Arts for the World's Fair. Uh, and the other one is the flight cage, which is in the zoo. From the Smithsonian Institution that was there. You got that right. And then, then the, <clears> other, <throat> the other big piece that was established, not a building, um, is the Grand Basin. The Emerson Grand Basin um, was a, really the centerpiece for the World's Fair. That's at Art Hill. And that's right at the bottom of Art Hill, and that exists today. And a lot of people think the apotheosis of St. Louis, the statue of St. Louis, is technically not the original one from the fair, but it was the, that was made in a permanent 
got a sculpture by Niehaus. And then this new one was created right in front of the art museum. Now, does the art museum help in, involved with the property around the art museum? Yeah, so the art museum was actually very instrumental in the restoration of the park from the mid-90s to mid-2000s. And they rebuilt, um, they, they contributed for rebuilding Art Hill and that plaza. Um, the art museum and the other cultural institutions in the park take care of the space within their leased area that they, uh, the lease they have with the city. Um, if you, if you're looking at the art museum, those, um, landscaping beds that are at the top of Art Hill around mm-hmm. the apotheosis, yes. those are actually, um, those are managed by Forest Park Forever. So we design those and take care of them year after year. So you mentioned a lease. Does that mean the art museum leases their, the property that they're on? Yeah. So the art, yes, the cultural institutions that are in the park, they each have a long-term lease that has been in place for quite a long time. Long-term how long? Well, I think each one of them is different um, depending on the, the cultural institution and when when the agreements, those original agreements were, were put together. And that's uh, happening right now with the Fox Theater. The long-term lease on the property is coming to an end. And there are, those people are not so sure that they want to continue having the theater there. So, I mean, I'm hopefully it will be there. What a wonderful uh, thing would be. But a lease sometimes can come to an end. And uh, hopefully that's not the case. There, Missouri History Museum, look at that wonderful history, historic building, Jefferson Memorial Building, uh, a great facility. And then there's the, what, the, what else? There was the World's Fair Pavilion, which is not really from the World's Fair, but it's, it's there. Is that where your center is near there? Um, so we are, um, if, if you're asking where our office yes. is, that's in the visitor center. Yes. So that's over by the History Museum. It's on the north kind of okay. central part of the park. So History Museum and then the Tennis Center is across well, the street. What's in the World's Fair Pavilion? It's a place that you can rent for events, whether it's a wedding or um, a, a business type of event. So it's just this beautiful structure that um, it's you can rent it for events. Otherwise, it's just open for people to come oh, and good. hang out. It's Steinberg. Uh, do you go up skating at Steinberg? Either of you? Oh, that's uh, Steinberg's one of uh, one of my favorite places in the winter to go to skate. Yeah, um, it's very popular. Has been around for about sixty five years uh, as a place for ice skating, and is is really wonderful in the uh, in the winter, especially. And maybe could ask Leslie to say something about it, but but we're actively looking at ways to make it much more active and vibrant year-round. What would you do? How would you do that, Leslie? So we have done some pretty extensive community engagement asking people just that. What would you like to see in a year-round Steinberg? Uh, the first thing that we've learned is people love the big rink, ice rink, just like it is. Don't change it. Uh, so we'll still have ice skating in the wintertime. And then um, things that people are really interested in, more food and beverage options, uh, places for um, music, uh, other types of performances. Um, we uh, Lawn games is something else that people are interested in. Let's, let's have some spaces to just hang out. We're also looking at we need to have roller skating. That was one of the most popular amenities that people asked for. Uh, and then we're also looking at a water feature. Uh, it wasn't actually something that people imagined, but we think having a place that you can play in the water, it's very hot um, in that area in the summertime. So having a place to play in the water could be fun and a great way for if families will be uh, renting um, spaces there. We do anticipate having some rental spaces, then it'd be great to have the the 
the uh, the water feature right outside or to cool off maybe after you've been doing some roller skating. That's a very interesting. Leslie Hoffarth and John O'Gorman, they're our guests. And we're talking, obviously, about Forest Park and Forest Park Forever. We're at your service in KMOX. This is Johnny Rabbit. At your service, and this is Johnny Rabbit. We're talking to Leslie Hoffarth and also to John O'Gorman, and they are with Forest Park Forever. We've, if you've just tuned in, well, you know about Forest Park. But maybe you don't. Maybe you don't know all the things that are going on. We'll talk about some of the new things that are being added or planned to be added in the park. But how do they get the money for this? They need your help. They, this is not a, a fun drive of any sort, but you should know, John. How do people get involved if they really want to help? Um, yeah, it, uh, we're uh, so fortunate that we have about 6,000-plus uh, people throughout the community that want to be a part of what we do and become a member of Forest Park Forever. You can do that at our website, forestparkforever.org backslash join. Um, But uh, the way that that our um, organization works is to work, as we talked about a second ago, very closely with the city of St. Louis. But Mm -hmm. the city... Uh, really just doesn't have all of the money that's needed to take care of the park. So where's all this Rams money going? <laughs> uh, the Rams money, uh, I think they're deciding where that would go. Um, but uh, Are you way, petitioning for some of it? Or are you we're, going no, we're not actively doing that. We wouldn't turn that down, no. but we're not actively, <laughs> I guess not. actively doing that. Um, the, uh, the city certainly, though, does only have a, a certain amount of uh, uh, resources to be able to put into the park. And, and a park the size of Forest Park, over 1,300 acres, with about 13 million visits a year and some historic buildings, we talked about a, a few of them already, just becomes very expensive uh, to maintain. So a lot of people think that we're supported by big companies, and, and companies are, are really important but about 80% of our funds are just from ordinary folks uh, who want to be a part of what we do. I mentioned a tribute tree that we've got recently. I don't know, what, $150 or something like that? It could like be that. somewhere around that, yeah. Something I like believe, that. and uh, there'll be some kind of a marker. I'm not sure. It's a new tree being planted. Uh, and, you know, that's that's an idea as well, which mm-hmm. is, you know, to re- I mean, all those trees, They uh, some of them are going to die. Hopefully there are no tree diseases, uh, Dutch elm or ash or anything <laughs> right. like that, so they don't all die. And, but they're going to have to be replenished and replaced. And um, and tree trimming, is the city do the tree trimming? We we take care of the, the young trees in the park. Um, the, tri- the the With our agreement with the city, when, when trees are um, very tall and there's big limbs to remove or if the, the tree needs to be removed, the city takes care of that. But we, pl- we, we work on planting the trees and taking care of them up until they're about 25 feet tall. And what about the leaves? Where do they go this time <laughs> of the year? Where are all these leaves? Where are they? Who can- right. Yeah, you will see Forest Park Forever staff um, raking and, and blowing and sucking up an awful lot of leaves, actually. Um, many of them just blow around wherever they are. But if you are places like um, the World's Fair Pavilion or the Visitor Center, those iconic places that, that see a lot of visitors, we do spend a lot of time just making sure things are neat and tidy every day. Our playgrounds as well. We have the variety playground, uh, inclusive playground right by the Visitor Center. And then the Ann O.C. Albrecht Nature Playscape. That is right in the center of the park. Uh, we do actually blow off the paths there, but the the leaves on the grass and in the planting areas, they they just stay where they now are. That Albrecht name, who is that? So the uh, lead gift for the space was made by the Albrecht family uh, in honor of Anne Albrecht. So um, that's the name that the park's 
department gave the playscape. Oh, how good. And Forest Park Forever staff, we raised the money to build the space, and we now take care of it. Now, there's something that runs underneath Forest Park. (laughs) What's down there? What is that down there? The river runs beneath. Yes. The the river. river, Now, we're not talking (laughs) about the Mississippi River. It's It's the River to Pair. Yes. So it has a long history in in Forest Park. The, The river ran through the park when the park was first founded. It was buried temporarily for the 1904 World's Fair. And then there was a a huge capital works project uh, that came through in the 20s and 30s and buried it. It's actually two 25 or 26 foot diameter pipes that run underneath Forest Park. Um, When the park was restored from the mid 90s to mid 2000s, there was a real interest from the community in restoring that river. And rivers flood and they dry out, and it's it's we wanted something that was the community wanted something that was just always looking good. So we recreated the river to pair that is hmm. still buried under the park, and so the river that flows through the park it pretty much follows the course of the original river to pair. Oh, that, that is very interesting. And, and something else that's coming up is a playscape. Is that what it's called? The, the Anno C. Albrecht Nature Playscape. That was finished. It was opened in June of last year, and we have seen so many people from the community come out. It's a great, I call it controlled nature exploration, but it's a great way for um, kids and caregivers that maybe aren't as familiar with being outside in nature. It's a, it's a great controlled way to come out and dip your toe in um, being in nature. We have nine different um, activity areas that it's all totally natural areas to play. There's no plastic playground equipment there, mm-hmm. but it's 17 acres. And uh, these nine different activity areas are connected by a, a fully inclusive uh, ADA accessible path system. Um, and the play areas are nestled within either native prairies or a young forest. That It's young now. It won't always be young, but yeah. it's, we're just growing it. Now, USA Today had something to say. Yes, we are really excited that once again we were named the number one park in the U.S. by the readers of USA Today. This is such a... Um, uh, really honor. It's a huge honor for us because it's voted on by people across the country that um, are voting on uh, whatever device they have. And it's just really fun. It's it's a it's a great vote of confidence for us that that people love Forest Park and we love that they want to help us take care of it. Well, go see it. Don't just uh, drive by, drive in, drive through it, get lost like I always do. Trying to, <laughs> how in the world? <laughs> it is tricky. It was, I just have to say, I know we got to wrap this up. The park was created as a place to get lost in nature, and Uh, people still get lost in the park today. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, Leslie, so much. And John, any final parting words that we must know? Uh, No, not at all. Thanks so much. Well, uh, come out. uh, Be a member of Forest Park Forever. (laughs) Join what we're doing. Be a member. Uh, You can go to forestparkforever.org backslash join and and um, help us out. Thank you, John. Thank you, Leslie. Both Thank very, you very, very much. much. This is Johnny Rabbit. We're KMOX. We're at your service. This is KMOX at your service, and Joe Holloman is here. Hey, Joe, it's great to see you. Good Thanks. seeing you, sir. How are you? I am fine. I, I know you're doing well, keeping very busy at the Post-Dispatch. I'm just looking over a lot of your articles yeah. here. My wife says, why do you save all that stuff? I've got stacks of <laughs> <laughs> with your problem because... They're so, so interesting. There's one that you're giving thanks to two stories, two better people, and one was about uh, about Vivian Gibson was one of the two. Um, 
Uh, yeah, first of all, I get a chance to thank you in person for sort of connecting me with Vivian Gibson. You're welcome. I had heard of her book and had wanted to read it, and uh, you know, I get so behind uh, in books. Oh. I always have a list of everything I want to read, and I thought, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. Then uh, she was at one of your uh, Missouri Historical Society right. presentations. And you uh, were there. To talk about uh, the last uh, last children of Mill Creek yeah. Valley. And uh, I'm a big history buff, which is why I love your programs at the at the uh, museum. Because uh, St. Louis has a very rich history. Uh, not that it's unique. A lot of cities do. But it's an old city. And there's a lot of history. And I think that, uh, say what you will about the educational system now, I think one thing that is egregious is the lack of attention paid to old history as if things that didn't happen right. in your lifetime don't count and the uh, the amazing illiteracy about things people of like world war one or the civil war i just find astonishing and mill creek valley it was a seminal part of st louis for uh 40 50 years and uh, she lived there and for people who don't know uh, it was basically a Union Station area along the railroad tracks. Right, right. Ran from about Tucker to about Jefferson, and we can argue about what the exact boundaries were. And it ran on either side of Market Street, and it was a almost virtually all black neighborhood. And a lot of the people who lived there worked in the hotels, the railroad station, and all the various industries that were around there. And in the six in the fifties, when they decided to do something called urban renewal. They just flattened it, home to 50,000 people, and sort of dispersed them out. And uh, Vivian lived there and uh, had some very great memories of that area and wrote it down. And seems like she had retired from working in education and doing things. And as so many people do, they say, oh, I think I'm going to write something. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've always been told that they, people say that uh, a reporter uh, – Every reporter has one book in them, and that's where it should stay. <laughs> and uh, so it's it's one thing to have an idea to write a book. Sure. It's another thing to sit down and write the book. But then it's even better when someone actually wrote a really entertaining, well-written book about it. Right. And uh, just kind of uh, so funny in that she's a bit older than I am. I was a little kid when I heard about Mill Creek Valley in the early mid-60s, and it was already gone uh, but there were a lot of things of that St. Louis history of uh, just uh, it, it was a very warm story, although there was some, uh, you know, some hurt and some pain on her part for basically having her whole neighborhood destroyed or whole childhood destroyed. Uh, it, it's not a bitter book. And it was one of my no, favorite books not. of the year. And uh, uh, it says some pointed things about what she didn't like about the process that they did with 50 something thousand people and. Uh, you know, it was kind of funny when I was talking with her after your presentation. I said it sort of is, uh, reminds me of uh, sort of like the Ameri- Native American population and sort of like with the black population in Mill Creek Valley. You get put someplace because it's not valuable. But then when it becomes valuable, they they move you, you know, <laughs> so you don't have any power to stop that. And uh, that was the, no power. the sad part about that. So, yeah, Vivian uh, Gibson was uh, uh, one of my favorite moments of the year. I, yeah, I write a, a lot of stories, and I've gotten to the point where people will say, oh, do you know about this? And I'll say, yeah, sounds familiar, sounds familiar. And then I'll go look it up and realize I wrote about it like 10 years ago, so... My memory is uh, shot. So, but yeah, I, I wanted to thank Vivian, and, and I love St. Louis history. 
And, and that's why uh, what is cool about your programs is they take little looks at things that go on in St. Louis and, uh, you know, Theater Row up on uh, Grand Avenue, oh, the Grand and Olive, yeah, right. uh, things like that. And, I mean, I have these memories of just when I was a little kid when that was the hot spot of town was sure. Grand and Olive. It was. The theaters, you know, and Garavelli's Restaurant where there's now a parking garage. Uh, and those things, I mean, I'm a St. Louis kid. I was born and raised here, and I love St. Louis. Uh, no matter what, uh, you know, it's sort of like the Cardinals, you know, I root for them no matter what. No, right, and right. Uh, same for the city. So, uh, you know, it, it's good to that. And Vivian's for people in St. Louis, if you want to take a look at history, you don't know about the last children of Mill Creek Valley uh, by Vivian Gibson was just one of my, I read a lot of books and that was one of my favorites of the year. Same for me. Very, yeah. very much so. And it is available everywhere and it's not a really expensive book. It's not no. a big, thick, you know, $50 book or anything like that. So yeah. Guys, looking at other columnists from the past. Look at that. In Our Town by Bob Goddard. Oh, my gosh. In the Globe Democrat. Why do I save all these things? I don't know. But no, I don't know why you have that one, though. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> people always ask me, though, they say, oh, I bet you're glad the Globe's gone. And I'm like, are you kidding? I wish there were four daily newspapers yeah. in St. Louis. You His know? first article is about Horace McMahon being featured at the Muni Opera, of all things. Wow. And then I see you had uh, another nice article. Uh, you have so many good articles uh, about uh, Dave, Ben, and... Um, Jeannie Trevor's. Yeah, what, a was day that apart. Said, yeah, a day apart. In bet was that in October? Maybe I I, I lose track I think of so. when well, the September October. This, this well, your date on this one is uh, November third, but I think it was yeah, October. Yeah, I think it was in October that that yeah. happened. And uh, uh, people don't know they were both uh, well, Jeannie, uh, a singer, mostly uh, billed as a jazz singer. She did a lot of work at the Muni for many years. Dave Venn, a jazz pianist. Uh, a couple of his CDs are still available, yeah. and they both uh, passed away. Yeah, and bo- both of them, another one, when you talk about uh, great moments of St. Louis history, another one that I was a bit too young to remember, though I have a vague recollection that I drove down. It was Gaslight Square. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And I was, uh, uh, for the people out there, when you say November 3rd, that was my, I'm, at, I'm, at the me- I'm in the Medicare group now. I hit 65. Uh-huh. So my frame of reference, <laughs> I was born in 57. I don't have too many memories before about 1962 sure. that I can uh, relate to. Uh, but I've been told that I was with the family members and that we drove through Gaslight Square. I have zero recollection, but <laughs> Gaslight Square is another one of those things that is gone, and maybe because nobody's talked about it, uh, the amount of talent. I mean, people look oh. at St. Louis, and the great one of the great complaints is always, oh, it's such a square town. It's yeah. not New York. It's not L.A. Well, of course it isn't. Uh, but a lot of people don't know that outside of New York City, in the late 50s, early 60s, before hard rock came around all that when jazz was still around and sort of before the hippie movement, the last of the beatnik generation kind of moving off that late fifties, early sixties, that gaslight square for the lack of better word was the most hopping place in the U S outside of New York city. It was Smothers brothers played there. Barbara Streisand played there. Any jazz musician worth their salt coming through town, all the good local jazz musicians of which Jeannie and Dave were part of. Uh, in fact, Jeannie came to St. Louis to perform. Mm-hmm. You know, Dave's a St. Louis kid, right. born and raised. Jeannie Trevor came here because Gaslight Square was such a big deal. And for, you know, a good eight to ten year period, that place rocked. It, it, was, the, it was the place to be yep, in St. Louis. And the, the, the Miles Davis sitting in, uh, showing up at clubs. 
uh, and and showing up. Clark Terry. I mean, just anybody who was anybody was in Gaslight Square. And I remember my mom and dad and my aunt and uncles talking about, you know, that's where you got dressed to the nines. They did. And you went out to the clubs and it was that old school kind of, it was a lounge or whatever you'd call it. And uh, all kinds of, I guess, uh, Singleton Palmer and the Dixieland Band, which was around here forever. They Mm -hmm. had all kinds of jazz down there. And uh, the only thing that really remains of it is old O'Connell's, which uh, relocated right. onto By the Hill. But that was a, a place in Gaslight Square. Uh, you know, and that's another one of my favorite things, these very cool things that are in St. Louis. And a lot of people just don't recall them. And, you know, I always get accused and they go, oh, you know, it's like, I mean, you know, when you try to tell your kids, it's like, there's dad talking about his old stuff again, <laughs> you know. But uh, but I, I can't help it. I, I like it. I think those things that give their cities that that history, that legacy, good or bad, it's, oh, yeah, it's, it's right. what made the city the city. And uh, so, yeah, and, and, you know, Dave Venn was, uh, I didn't know Jeannie Trevor personally. Dave I had met on a number of occasions and uh, just couldn't find a nicer man. That is the truth. You know, and uh, and his wife Jeannie Venn, who I think everybody in St. Louis knows Jeannie from... Uh, Chase Hotel. Chase Hotel was the concierge desk manager chief cook and bottle washer kind of seemed to run the place when you know <laughs> if there was a problem yeah. <laughs> you just took it to genie and uh, yeah. things got solved and so uh <clears throat> i know that at least uh, last time i talked to genie they were hoping for some memorial service at some time uh you know but uh, yeah that was uh yeah and it, and it was so i say weird odd when i was about to say funny and i meant in an odd weird way that they died one day apart one day apart and they even worked yeah. together at oh, a couple yeah. places in st louis sure. mansion house said after gaslight square died uh uh in fact genie had told me that uh, they both ended up at the mansion house and it was like hey we got to find some new place to gig now all <laughs> these places are closing up in gaslight square and so they were at the mansion house which uh, genie said was Arguably the first happy hour hot spot ever in St. Louis. In ah, the, in it the, could be in the in the mid to late sixties. It was kind of the with drink specials, you know, that started at like four or four thirty or five o'clock, and go down there and hear some jazz after you got off work. So, yeah, but uh, two folks who I'm, uh, I'm I'm sure will be noted uh, at the end of the year when the paper does their oh sure who I passed. Yeah, I would right. I would uh, I would certainly uh, contribute those to the to the list that I've had to write about. And so. there's Laclede's Landing, which really never developed like they thought. They, they thought it was going to be the new Gaslight Square, mm-hmm. and that was uh, it. It just didn't work out. Jimmy Masucci was the the first one down there who had uh, designed right. many of the places in Gaslight Square, and his Cafe Louis. At Third and Delmar was kind of the start of what they thought was going to be just moving Gaslight Square downtown, but it's that's never happened. Well, you know, I mean, there's a couple things. It's always like uh, where the, where the uh, until they came up with a solution, that interstate highway cutting through there makes such a physical barrier. It does yes. between everything that's yeah. east of there, and I always thought that was one thing that kept you. It, it's hard to stay away from the arch if you're a tourist. You're going to go there, but. It wasn't convenient to just, you know, I always thought you should be able to just, if you work downtown, you know, you should be able to just walk to right. the arch, you know. Not you just get should, run over. Yeah, exactly, without getting run over, or, you know. And so they, they've made big improvements there. But Laclede's Landing, I remember, uh, tried to get, was kind of when I was in college, late 70s, uh, 1980, uh, it was kind of a place to be. 
But I went out of town for about uh, four years working at uh, small radio stations and newspapers after I got out of college. And uh, I came back and, I, you know, it was never got as right. big as you thought. And I, yeah. I think a lot of things... They got cut off by that interstate. I think so. It created a psychological Joe, we'll be right back. Take a short break. Joe Holloman is our guest. We're at your service, Johnny Rabbit and KMOX. At your service, this is Johnny Rabbit. Joe Holloman is with us right now. We're we're talking off the air here about one thing that I guess would be good to mention, if you don't mind, our Saturday Night Route 66 show that you had. uh, Somebody contacted you? Yep. Wanted to know when it was going, where it was going, if it was going. Well, the uh, story, basically, the, the uh, number one reason is my eye doctor said, you're not driving at night anymore, <laughs> are you? You better not be. <laughs> so it seems like uh, it wasn't, uh, any. it would be impossible to do. Sure. We talked about other things. There is a, uh, oh, uh, I can't think of the name of the company. It's uh, uh, They have radio stations or Catholic radio stations. They're in Hampton, eight, eight blocks from where we live. And I talked to them, and they said, this sounds a good idea that I could go there just eight blocks away and do the show. But their board said no, because they're a not-for-profit, and KMOX is a for-profit company. And so that was the last thing. So uh, so here I am doing these shows, and fortunately yeah. with people like yourself. And, uh, gosh, I mean, there's there's so much that, that's going on all the time. How do you keep up with it? How do you find space for all these things that are going on? Uh, well, you know, that's feast or famine. I'm sitting here on always on a Sunday. I'm worried about what's going to fill the column I have to write on Monday that shows in the Tuesday's paper. Sure. And I will either be scraping for it or I'll have so many things. It's never the right amount. It's either I'm short or, God, I've got so much stuff. But uh, uh, so the, uh, you know, most of it is a lot of things. I think, if one, if you're around long enough and, and you know enough people, and I say, you hear something, give me a call. I never promise anybody I'll do a story oh, sure, you can. about anything that they, you know, do uh, contribute. But, you know, it's just the more people you talk to and everything and, you know, they put up my email and my uh, uh, phone number right there at the bottom of my story. Right. So people know how to get a hold of me if they have uh, half a mind to get a hold of me. Uh, I'm easy to find. And, and responsive, too. No, oh, you know, I try to, unless someone is just outwardly rude, and believe me, there are people <laughs> who are outwardly rude. That can't happen. Uh, you know, so I figured that the time it took to read your rude letter was all the time you deserved, yeah. and I don't respond. But if, if I, and I don't mean if you disagree with me. I don't care if you disagree with me. I love disagreement. I'll argue all day long, you know. I mean, uh but I'm talking about when it gets profane, foul language, oh, insulting. Yeah, right. It's like, <clears throat> I stop, we're done. Uh, but, uh, and you know, and so when you do that, and I'll write them back and say, I don't think I'm interested in that, but, you know, thanks for thinking of me. And I think that a lot of times what gets lost, especially now, it's not like the media is uh, uh, being embraced by the general public as being trustworthy, good people. They do these surveys now, people don't trust the media. And I think one of the the reasons is is a disconnect has happened, and uh, people just don't feel like they're being represented. So what I at least want to do is tell people is if you've taken the time to read my column or look up my number, I can at least respond to you. Even if I disagree with you, even if I tell sure. you I'm not going to do that or whatever, I believe that's just, 
you know, common courtesy. It's like you say please when you ask for something, and when they hand it to you, you say thank you. Right. That's, you know, when I say that's the way I was raised, it wasn't like I was raised anything special. That was just the way you did it, of you course. know? Could I please have that? And when I hand it you, thank you. And if the other person was raised the same way, they go, you're welcome. And that's it. And that's it makes it. life right. nice and pleasant. Oh, it and, does. and it always amazes people when I they'll, you know, be very critical of something I did, and I'll respond to them, and I always end it with the, Thanks for reading the post dispatch, you know, and uh, they'll write back and go, I didn't think you'd write me back, you know, and I bet so that's it's, true. And I yep. think it is. And 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 so it, that person then maybe later on they'll go well, at least this guy'll listen to me if I say, "Hey, I think this might be a news story." Mm-hmm. So a lot of it is is me just knowing people around town, a lot of friends, shall we call them? I don't know if they consider me a friend, but I consider them a friend. Uh Call me. So it's a, it's a lot of it's like that. Press releases, though, little of it's press releases. A lot of, I mean, press releases are selling things. And um, I don't advertise. I don't get mm-hmm. any money right. for right. things I mention. I mean, I guess I do get money. I get paid by the Post-Dispatch. But, uh, you know, when I mention a business in my column, I'm not getting any money from that. I don't get free meals. Um, you know, most of the places I hang out... You don't really want a free meal from there anyway, so it's uh, but uh, but uh, yeah. So I mean, you know, it's it's the people in St. Louis, and you hang around long enough, they get uh, they get atta- they get attached to you know uh, having someone there that'll at least listen to them. Which which brings to mind a, there's a, a lovely a lady who lives in the West End. Uh, I don't know if she wants to be mentioned on the radio, so I'll just call her Norma. Sure, though I'm going to put her name in the paper. So. Uh, and she's kind of a pack rat. She saves newspaper clippings, uh, so mm-hmm. you're not alone, yeah, sir. Good, good. And uh, a year or so ago, she went through and found out that this family legend was true, that her grandfather and great-uncle owned a ball field that was used by the early black teams of St. Louis, the Negro Leagues. Mm-hmm. It was called the St. Louis Giants, which became different things. Ended up St. Louis Stars was right. probably the most famous incarnation with James Cool Papa Bell. And she said, you know, I said, well, and she goes, you know, my uh, grandfather and great uncle, they were just two German immigrants who were blacksmiths, but they had this field and baseball was all the rage at the turn of the century. So they said, well, you know, there's places for the white teams to play. Let's see if the black teams want to play there. And they did. And that's where it was. And then because Norma likes going and looking at things, it goes, she calls me after a year and says, you'll never guess what I found. There was actually a black women's baseball team in St. Louis for two seasons called the Black Broncos. Wow. And it, was, it wasn't it was covered in any uh, Post-Dispatch or Globe or the Missouri Republican papers that were around at the time, Star of the Times, but it was covered some in a paper called The Freeman, hmm. which was the name of a number of Negro papers that uh, went around at the time. Uh, it was a very popular name for uh, that type of paper mm-hmm. and uh, had clips about these stories that before these St. Louis Giants games or Negro League games, they would have this women's team play. And it has her grandfather with little things saying, if if you have a team of black women who want to play against our team, like, let me know. And they went to Indiana. They went oh, to Kansas. Wow. They were actually a traveling team. And so I'm kind of working on that still. I still don't have it all together, but uh, that will be interesting. Yeah, I, I, you know, and I, you know, the thing is, is I always hope people are interested. 
I know I'm interested in it, and I try to do my best to write it interesting as possible. So if those are the kind of things to where you're just a little bit of a trivia nut, and you're just like, huh, I didn't know that. And, you know, it's amazing what all I've done is people think, well, you know everything about St. Louis. I know one-tenth of what there yeah. is to know about St. Louis. if you don't know it all, you Every, Every single day, you think yeah. you know it all, yeah. but as you get older, you realize you learn less and less. You so. mentioned writing the, for the paper. Now, do you go to the paper itself? Yes, or? yes. We, you know, after the COVID was over, I go into the paper. Some days I work from home. Some days I, I write. When I write, I, I actually do better writing at the paper uh, because then I'm not distracted. One yeah, thing I don't right. like about the working at home is then is the only time I want to rake leaves. Is when, you know, if I'm home on a Saturday, I'm not going out there. But I was like, boy, maybe I could get out there for an hour and get those leaves. You know, it's like, no, no, I got to sit down and write. So sure. I'm in there about three days a week, you know. And uh, and in newspapers are one of those that they tend, especially with big stories, it's so much easier when you're all together in a newsroom. I agree with that. Completely. Because you could just, you know, because now it's send an email, wait 20 minutes, when you can just yell across the room, you know, hey, right. Bob, what about, <laughs> boom, you know, so... So, yeah, I'm in there. I'm still working. Good. I like what I do, so I have I know no plans do. on quitting. Oh, I hope not. Yeah. Thank goodness. Well, thank you. Thank, uh, Joe, thank you so much for being here today. My pleasure. Uh, it's our pleasure, too, and I know our listeners will feel the same way. And if you want a book, hey, your book, Rolling on the River, you can still get that. The Admiral is still around. Yeah. Still around. This is Johnny Rabbit, KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.